It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. I'm so glad you didn't put any music on for that. That could have been really nervous. It's interesting. It's a great, great title. I was concerned when Mark gave it to me. But the funny thing about it was this last week, I was actually down in, um, I went down to Esperance to speak at a place called Adult and Teen Challenge. I've been down there for a week. And uh, if you don't know, it's about 800 k's away. And there we are. We got down this Saturday, got up early in the morning getting ready to speak at the chapel, and I went, had a shower, came out to get the clothes that I had put aside to wear for Sunday morning, only to find that I left it at home. And here I am thinking naked and unashamed or unafraid. So I thought to myself, well, this is a good, good you know, I'm going to have to go in my shorts and I have to go in my thongs and uh, probably not appropriate, um, my, my sweaty t-shirt, and you're saying, that's good, but probably not in that setting. So I, um, I had to borrow somebody's jeans, his name just so happened to be Justin, so they became Justin's jeans or Just Jeans, um, so we, it was quite appropriate. But I remember when I was uh, first at Kalamunda, and speaking there regularly. And I used to get this regular dream, nightmare, on a Saturday night. And the nightmare was that I turned up at church and now I was preaching and suddenly realized I was still in my pajamas or maybe still in my underwear. Um, now, I used to think, God, what are you saying to me? Um, are you saying to me that I'm forgetful? Um, are you saying to me that you're not prepared? Or maybe God's saying, are you, is your heart really vulnerable? Sure, I'm not going to strip off, thank goodness for that, because you'd leave the building. But I want, speaking and sharing and giving life means that we need to make ourselves vulnerable. So I want to ask you a question today. Here's the question that I want to ask you as I ask myself. Who or what holds you back from being everything that God has made you to be? Who or what holds you back from growing in your relationship with those significant others in your life? Who or what holds you back from maybe even exploring a relationship with God? Who or what holds you back from achieving those great things that has been set before you to achieve? Who or what holds you back? Because it's a good question that I ask myself because I think sometimes we put these barriers, these walls up that stop us from achieving. Which makes me consider how many, how much have we missed out on because individuals haven't taken the risk, have been concerned and thought too small in these seasons. I wonder what music hasn't been written yet 
because something holds us back. Or what book hasn't been written yet? Or maybe what neighbour hasn't been cared for yet because something held me back from reaching out? What child is struggling in relationship because a father or a mother has been reluctant to step out? What holds me back from being everything that you and I were purposed to be? See, I was at a funeral yesterday, and it took most of the day, big funeral. It was this young girl I might have told you about a few weeks ago, 37. I sat there and listened to what she's achieved in life. It's incredible. Very strong social justice young lady, 37 years of age, and what she hasn't done in going to India, in working with refugees, in supporting children of foster care, who's campaigning for um, ongoing support. The list went on and on and on and on, and I thought, here's a girl, in 37 years, has probably achieved more than most. And what made the difference? Because she wasn't held back. And I want to ask that question as we go into this series, which um, is an exciting series. What is it that I'm putting up that's stopping me from achieving? A gentleman by the name of Adam Smith wrote a book called The Bravest You. And in this book, it's a secular book about being everything you were supposed to, you were designed to be. He actually came up with 10 barriers or 10 fears or 10 things that stop us from being the bravest you. And here's some of the things he put. He said, a fear, a fear or feeling of inadequacy. A fear or feeling of uncertainty. A fear of missing out. A fear of change. A fear of losing control. A fear that something bad might actually happen. Uh, these fears and these concerns and these, they're like clothing that we put on and they stop us from achieving the great things that we could achieve in this room. There is so much. We have come out of a season where our, our, our borders have been up. And sometimes I think the borders haven't just been up around our state. I think they've been around us. And now's the time to bring the borders down. And now's the time to actually say, let's make a difference. Let's do something. Let's think bigger than the borders. Let's go beyond that. I, I love supporting underdogs. That's why I enjoy sitting and watching the Dockers play. Um, and, um, whoa, so, but there's a story in the Bible that I do love. It's sort of a favorite of mine. It's a story that most of you would know. It's the story of David and Goliath. And there he is standing, looking at that, that great big giant. And the whole army of Israel that was huge are all in their tents, afraid of one giant. An army of thousands afraid of one giant. This one giant held them back. And David came along and he went, what are you talking about? He said, how dare this Philistine come against the army of God? What giant's in the way? What giant is stopping me from achieving those things that are before me? Oh, what giants are stopping us from being everything God wants us to be? But there was three things that, 
um, Adam brought up, which was, I think, probably the greatest giants. One of them is rejection. If I step out, may I be rejected. If I get up and speak, maybe you may not like me. If I wrote a book, maybe no one might buy it. If I reached out to my neighbor, maybe they might just shut the door on me. That sense of rejection. Maybe that idea of being judged. Oh, we love that, don't we? Being judged. That's a great fear and that will hold us back. I won't do it because someone might think or judge me or tell me what I've done wrong. Or maybe the fear of failure. All those things are actually internal. They all impact my sense of value. They impact my sense of worth. They impact the very me that I'm probably actually afraid of myself. The picture I've already got, and you may reinforce that picture. And he says these, he, he said really to, to break those, to, to break that down, we need to make ourselves and be prepared to make ourselves vulnerable. You see, it's in our vulnerability that we will achieve most. Any big company has achieved because someone took a risk. And they didn't fail. It was, it was um, Thomas Edison who said, I haven't failed. I've just found out 10,000 things that don't work. <laughs> and sometimes we've got to look at it that way, don't we? If we're going to achieve something, it's going to cost. It's going to be risky, but the results are going to be fantastic. So we're going to break that. We're going to expose that risk. In fact, it was actually Muhammad Ali who said, he who is not courageous enough to take a risk will accomplish nothing in life. That's a great thing for Muhammad to say, isn't it? Hey? He who is not courageous enough to take a risk will accomplish nothing. I want to take you to a, to a scripture which helps us identify well, what could it be if we really were to take a risk. If you go to the book of Samuel, 2 Samuel 6, we're going to look at. And let me give you some background. 2 Samuel, open up your Bibles on your, what, on your apps that you've got um, or get these old-fashioned ones, which I love. Um, Open it up to 2 Samuel 6. And the story here is here's the people of Israel. People of Israel are God's people. And, uh, and David has now become king. Now David was a shepherd boy who was promoted because he beat Goliath. And therefore he was promoted by God to be king. He actually married a, a lady but because he'd beaten, he actually knocked down Goliath. Um, he actually was betrothed or given to, to the king's daughter. Um, um, oh, sorry, I'm in pain. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Um, um, and, and he was actually betrothed to her. But as he went away to war, the king said, well, you know what? You can go and marry somebody else. So she married another guy. And then when King David came back, he said, hang on a minute. You're, you're actually my wife. And so he actually said to Michal, you come back and you can be my wife. And I don't think she was very, very happy about that. And this, here is David now. He's actually become king and he's saying, I will not 
I don't want me to be the focus. I want God to be the focus. And there was this box called the Ark of the Covenant. It was a powerful box because it represented God's presence. And in there, there were certain things that were significant. And if you had this in your presence, God was the focus. And he said, I want God to be the focus of Israel. I want his glory and his power. So we're going to go and get this box back because we lost it in the last battle and it was taken away, we're going to go and retrieve it. So he got the people together, he got his priests together, and it said, let's make a fancy cart, and let's go and get this Ark of the Covenant, and we're bringing it back. I got a feeling his wife wasn't too happy about that, because she was pretty, pretty, I don't think she was happy with David anyway. So David goes, and he, he tends, takes all the fellas out, and they get this Ark of the Covenant, this great big box, and they put it onto the cart, and the cart's going along, and the cart hits a pothole or a ditch or something, and the Ark starts to fall off the cart. Someone, one of the priests puts his hand up, goes to stop it, and of course you mustn't touch it because it's God's presence, it's a powerful almighty God, and so the guy dies. Bit of a bummer. What are we going to do? Well, let's leave it at Obadiah's house for a while, 50 days. We'll leave it there and let's go back home and try and work out what we did wrong. So leave it in his house. It says that his family, if you like, his whole community was blessed because the presence of God was there. When the presence of God is in your place, when the presence of God is in your life, you can guarantee there's going to be blessings going to come because he is almighty. He is all powerful and that's what he does. And that's why David wanted this box, this Ark of the Covenant in Israel, in, in the place of um, significance, in the tent of meeting that he was going to set up. So they sat, went back to the books and went, what did we do wrong? And they discovered that the reason that, uh, that they died was because they weren't supposed to put it on a cart. They were supposed to have these poles and the guys holding the poles, holding the ark off the ground. And you see, the reason being is if you came into a, a ditch, you're less likely to drop it. And so they went back and they got the poles and they got this ark and they, they're moving it along and they take six spaces and they have a bit of a dance and a celebration and then they kept on going and they bring it to the place where um, they're just going to sit in the tent, the tabernacle that David had actually set up. So David has this party. And I want you to pick up the story now in 2 Samuel 6, verse 16. And let's read it together. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him because she wasn't very happy with him anyway. But she looked down and she saw him dancing and she was filled with contempt. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in a place inside this special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifice, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Then he gave every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. He gave them a little love package, right? A little, this was the first food parcel. 
and I lost it. Then all the people returned to their homes. When David returned home to his own families, Micah, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like a vulgar man might do. David retorted to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord, so I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. So Michal, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her entire life. Mike Michal is sitting up there. She's looking out of her window and she sees her husband, who's supposed to be this amazing king, this mighty warrior, and there he is in the streets. Now, he wasn't naked, as some people might suggest. Instead, he was wearing this ethod, this priestly gown that was probably a little bit like a short dress. And he was wearing this and dancing with every, everybody. What Michael was, Michael was upset about was, here you are a king? You're not acting like a king, you're acting like a commoner. You have taken off your kingliness and you've become like a commoner. We are above the commoners. Why would you do that? I can learn some lessons from this because the first thing I find out is David decided to step down or step out from his throne. David stepped out. David came back and he stepped, he stepped out of this, this great palace that he would have had and he stepped into the streets. For us to see great things happen, for us to discover the person and the power of God in our lives, we've first got to be prepared to step out. You can't do it from looking from the window. You see, Michal's up there in the window, but David is down on the streets. And our choice is, are we going to stay in the window or are we going to step in the streets? Are we going to stay at a distance or would we venture out of our protected place, our place of comfort, our place of security, our place of the known? Would we step out? David stepped out. You know, many years ago, there was, uh, I took some boys out camping. It's great. I love camping. I took these six boys out camping and it was pouring with rain and we didn't have many supplies. The whole idea was not to have many. And so we had this black plastic. That's all we had was this piece of black plastic. The, the heavens opened up. It was pouring down with rain. It was freezing cold. And the only way we were going to get any sleep that night was if we all cuddled up together under this one piece of plastic. Well, there was one fella, he was pretty, he thought he was pretty tough. He had ripple sole desert boots, the, the books. He was pretty tough. And so he decided that there was no way he was going to get under the plastic with a whole bunch of other blokes. 
So he was going to sit outside. We said, come on, come under here. It's warmer, it's drier. Nope, I ain't going to do that. I'm not going to be like one of you. I'm going to sit over here. So he sat over there and he tried to sleep in the pouring rain, freezing cold, until finally it got to about 12 past 12. And he says, I think we're going to get up and do something. Half past 12, he starts to move across. It was about quarter to one, he woke me up. Hey, Unc, can we get under your plastic? And he crawls under and he comes alongside us where he was warm, he was secure, he was safe from the rain, and I was wet. Because he was wet. You see, sometimes we've got to step out of our comfort zone We've got to step out of that place into a place of vulnerability to actually achieve something. You know, we, I, we all love to go to the footy, right? 30,000, 60,000, maybe it's a basketball, maybe it's rugby like you watched last night. I don't know what sport you're into, but we go to the stadiums and we're all up in the, in the seats while a few people are down there running around doing all the work. The interesting thing about sitting in the seats when you're sitting in the seats, we've all become very opinionated. When we're sitting in the seats, we all become quite judgmental. When you're sitting in the seats, you have a tendency to be able to find everybody else's faults who's playing down there. And when someone makes a mistake, it's all over the news. The commentators will have it. The radios will have it. The, the newspapers have got it. You're talking about it at your workplace. But you see, the person that we're talking about was the only one who took the risk. And too often, we can even come to a place like this and we can go, yep, we'll sit here in the seats and we'll make comments about the worship and we'll make comments about the preacher and we'll make comments about the guy who welcomed me at the door. But you see, it's easy to do that unless you're prepared to take the step and say, I'm going to make myself vulnerable. I'm going to make myself vulnerable vulnerable. In his, uh, I missed a quote, but I just want to give this quote because it's really important. Um, in uh, his, the book, The Bravest Jew, the quote was, feeling vulnerable from, uh, this is from Adam, it says, feeling vulnerable or available for attack from others is the main reason people won't open up in the first place. You see, being vulnerable and that fear of being attacked and fear of being stops us. But what if you were prepared to be vulnerable and actually take the step? Maybe be vulnerable in your relationship with your partner, with your wife, with your spouse, with your children. Take the step. Step away from the window. Come out onto the streets. Because it's on the streets where the risk is happening, but it's on the streets where the excitement's happening. It's on the streets where we're achieving things. It's on the streets where God is gonna come into the very presence of that community and change it. So we've gotta be prepared to step. Are you prepared to step out and be vulnerable and take that risk? The other thing I noticed about David is he actually put down his crown. You see, to come out of his safe place, to come away from the window onto the streets, he also took off his, his kingly gowns. 
and he put on the ephod, which was the priestly gowns, which is the servant, because he was becoming the priest with servants to the people, representing God, but they were there to serve the people. That's why he gave food out, because that's what the priests actually did. David actually took off the things that gave him his reputation, that gave him his authority, that gave him a sense of pride. And he took it off so he could embrace the exciting new season that this community was coming into. What is it we need to take off? In Revelations, it says that, the, that they threw down their crowns. What's that crown? What's that, that achievement that I keep talking about that makes me look like, like I'm pretty good? What's that, that, that pride in, in what I've achieved? Maybe I need to put that down so that I can actually step into the street. Maybe it's the garments that of, of bitterness that I've put on and unforgiveness that I've got here that I need to put down. What is it that I need to take off that will make myself vulnerable so that we can actually step into places of great achievement? He actually took it off. See, the concept of trying to be something that we're not usually covers up the very person that I think I am. But when I take that off, I'm, I'm at the place of growing. I was met a, a fellow the other day who'd been in and out of prison so many times. And all of a sudden, he said, Steve, I needed to take off this concept that I'm a prisoner to actually accept the fact that I'm actually loved by God. That's a strange thought, isn't it? See, his idea was, I'm a prisoner. I, I'm always going to be in and out of prison. But once I take that off, I'm actually open to the fact that maybe I could be forgiven and I don't need to be a prisoner. And in our relationship with God, I don't know where you're at with God. Maybe you're, you're still thinking about it. Maybe you've considered it. Maybe you're searching. Well, what is it you're prepared to put down? so that you might receive the very thing that he has for you. The last thing I noticed about David was he embraced the lives of others. You see, it's one thing to step away from the window. It's another thing to take off my gown so I can get involved. I can take off the, the jacket and start shoveling. But it's another thing to embrace others. Because if I embrace others, who knows, they might let me down. They may actually not be good to me. They may actually stab me in the back. They may actually betray me. But would I be prepared to actually embrace others? Mother Teresa said this, Love cannot remain by itself. It has no meaning. Love has to be put into action. That action is service. I love Mother Teresa. She's got so much to say to this world and everything she talks about, it's all about love someone, love your neighbor, embrace the hurt of the community around us because it's gonna get, it might get dirty, but embrace it. See, he went and he got this food and he gave it to everybody. He embraced his community. 
We need to not just do something for our own selves, we do it for others. It's being other-centric rather than me-centric. It's about looking outside of it and saying, hey, it's exciting. We could, we could actually impact this community if we actually stepped down from the window, we took off our royal garments and put on Christ's garments and actually served the world around us and served each other around us. You know, Jesus was the greatest example to this. Jesus actually did this. He, he, he says in the scripture that the word became flesh and did what? Dwelt amongst us. He stepped out from the window of heaven, from his, from his throne room with his father God, and he stepped into your world, into my world. He stepped in and what did he put on? He put on a towel to wash people's feet. He put on a, he, they stripped him and, and whipped him and his, his garments they actually even sold off. He took them off, why? So that he could die for you and me. He took off his, his glory so that he could walk on the streets to embrace you because it says, Father, Father, he prayed out. Forgive them. He embraced you. He, 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 he didn't just get a lunchbox to give to you. He gave his life to you. That's awesome. And I need that every day. I need that every day. He was the greatest example of one who would step out from his throne room, step out from his palace, step out from his safety to come into the streets with you and me. He's the greatest example of the one that, that would take off the, 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 I mean, he could have been, he could have just wiped people out easily. He, he could have, he could have just pushed back all those that crucified him, but he chose not to. He took off that authority at that stage because he said, no, Father, not your will, but not my will, but your will be done. And, and then he embraced you and I. He loves you. He loves you so much. And maybe you're afraid to step into that. Maybe you're like me and you've traveled with God for a long time and I have to keep coming back to that idea that God actually has stepped into my world because He wants to embrace my life. And when He does that, I want to do that to others around me. This is our chance, church. This is our chance. If, if you've come here today, this is our chance to make a difference. But you make a difference once you allow God to make a difference in you. As we close with this beautiful song, maybe just close your eyes for one minute. Just close your eyes. I want to ask you, what, what, have you been standing up in the window? And is God saying to you, I want you to step out of the window. I want you to step out of the castle that you built. I want you to step into the street where my glory and my power and my authority and the gifts that I have for you are. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus and this is your chance to say, I can't, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I, I've got all these questions, but I'm going to make the step today. I'm going to step out. I'm going to step out. 
because this is chance. And then maybe you, I ask you a question. What is it you're, you're wearing? What is it you're wearing? And is it time to say that bitterness, that, that frustration, that hurt, that pain, that, that achievement, that, that maybe even that failure that I've been covering up with my garments, would I actually take my garment off and, and say, here I am. And here's, here's the kicker. Here's the kicker for us all to, in this series. Would we stop thinking small and think big and go, God, what could you do with us? Because I want to embrace what you're going to do. I'm going to embrace that we're in a season right now where God wants to move. And you know, He's only chosen to move through individuals like you and me. And I want to be part of it. And I want to make myself vulnerable, available to you. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love you to join us for one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information about our great Elevate Kids and Elevate Youth environments, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.